be preaching along these lines. I began uh, yesterday just feeling the burden uh, of this service and began thinking about all the ones that need miracles in their bodies and those that are sick and those that are afflicted. And you know we, we preached Wednesday night on the anointing of God. We preached on, started two weeks ago, finished it up Wednesday night. God was rich, God was real in the house, around these altars moving. And, and I just felt an, an urgency and a, uh, in a sense in, in my heart to preach on miracles tonight. And uh, I know that there are some that uh, don't believe in miracles. The miracles aren't for today. And uh, my answer to them is, I'm sorry if you feel that way. Amen. Uh, there's a reason why miracles have never happened in your life because you don't believe they're real. Man, but if you just put God to the test, you could find Him true and you could find Him faithful. And uh, I know that there's been many that have stood up and declared that today is going to be a day of miracles and they preach and, and nothing happens and they leave brokenhearted and they leave uh, depressed wondering, did I hear from heaven or did I not? And... Uh, I began thinking about this service preached on miracles. And I'll never forget Brother Eddie. He told the story when he was at Somerdale. When that baby came with a deaf ear. was deaf in his ear. And the parents wanted Brother Eddie to pray for him. Brother Eddie laid his hands on him and prayed the prayer of faith. And he felt in his heart that God had healed that baby. And as soon as he was going to tell the the parents, I feel like God has healed your baby. Said the devil came to him and talking in one ear and said, but what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't heal this baby? You're going to look like a fool. You're going to look like you're, uh, look like you're crazy. You're going to be the laughing stock of the town. But he said all the while the devil's talking in one ear, the Holy Ghost started talking in the other and said, but what if he is healed? And then what if he is healed? What if... What if I do it? Prayed the prayer of faith, that baby was healed. That night. And, and I, I feel in my heart, God wants to do something special in this house. And anytime you preach along these lines, you preach on miracles, signs, and wonders. Uh, the devil come against you, attacking your mind. What if God doesn't do any miracles? And then my response to him is the same with the Holy Ghost. But what if he does? And then what if he does? For there to, to be a miracle... There must first be a need. And if you have a need in your body, you are a candidate for a miracle. If you have a need, and I, I would venture to say in a congregation this size, there's somebody with a need. There's somebody that come into the house tonight with a need in your body, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, whether it be emotional, uh, whether it be mental, whatever the need may be. I, I don't know what you come in the house with tonight. But I do know this. God is able to meet you right where you are. And I believe by His Spirit He's going to do just that tonight. The book of John chapter number 5 is where we'll read from verses 1 through 9. Verse number 1 says, And after this there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the Sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, 
waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season to the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then after, first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming in, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. I love that. Immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to preach if the Lord will help me on this thought. On the day the great paralytic met the great physician. The day the great paralytic met the great physician. Stretch forth your hand this way one more time. And ask God to help us and anoint us. Father, we love you. Father, I have felt your spirit. I felt your touch. And God, I'm asking that that same spirit, Father, would uh, rest in this house for a few more moments. As the lot has fallen for the preach of the Word of God, Father, I don't want to preach without You. God, I don't want to preach without Your touch, but if I've ever needed the anointing of God, I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. Father, and I pray, God, I don't know the needs that are represented in this house. I just know that they're needs. And I just know that there's some that have come into this house carrying a heavy burden and a heavy load. And Father, I'm asking for miracles. I'm asking you, God, to move and to intervene and to undergird in a way that only you can. Father, there may be some watching by way of live stream tonight that don't even have enough strength to come to the house of God. Father, I may not physically be able to go where they are, but Father, you can. You're not bound by distance. You're not bound by location. You're not bound by one physical address. But Father, you're omnipotent. You're omniscient, God. You're, you have the ability to go everywhere, Father, and to do everything. I'm asking that you would do it right now, oh God, that there would be testimonies that come out of this service. Not because of my preaching, not because, God, of my great oratory skills, because there are none. But, God, for your glory and your glory alone, I'm asking, oh God, for you to do a great work in our midst. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. As we look at the text that we read into your hearing tonight in John 5, verses 1 through 9, we can find that this text is made up of two greats. Number one, we see the great paralytic. And number two, we see the great physician. In this text, two central characters are, uh, are on the scene. One is known for their position and their pain, while the other is known for His great power. On the spectrum of life, you have two men on opposite ends of the spectrum. One in need of a miracle, and one who was the miracle giver. We have one in need of a, a healing in their body, and we have one who is the supreme sovereign healer. Amen. We have one who's bound by their condition. 
One that is marked by pain. But we have another one who walked on the scene just a few verses before and he said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me to preach, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to them that are bound. Amen. And we look at this story. It can be uh, uh, dissected into the two main themes. Number one, the condition of the great paralytic. And number two, the power of the great physician. Let's look, number one, at the patient. The Bible tells us in verse number five that a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. If you were to look up the, the average age, I did it this morning, and the life expectancy rate of New Testament believers and, and Christians at the age of Christ, the average life expectancy was only 35 to 40 years of age. Now, the, the statistics are skewed because they had a high infant mortality rate to where there were a lot of children that contracted diseases and died which skewed the, uh, the life expectancy rate. There were some, we know, uh, a Simeon that lived as a prophet and Anna who lived as a prophetess that lived to be on up in age and years. There were some that lived uh, to, to be older in age, but by and large, most people in b biblical times, uh, if you reach 50, you live to be uh, a, a good age. You lived a good life. Uh, if you live 40, uh, that was about as much as some people could ask for. This man had lived 38 years bound by paralysis. He had no quality of life. Uh, he was a great sufferer for what uh, would be an average lifespan. He was a friendless outcast that uh, was uh, there just waiting uh, for the water to move, hoping and praying for a miracle. But uh, every time that he would think that he's right on the brink of a miracle, somebody else would step in and receive the miracle first. Now, I, I'm all for seeing, Brother Mink, somebody else get blessed by the Lord. But if I had been in that condition for 30 and 8 years, we don't know how long he had sat waiting by this pool for the troubling of the waters. But time after time after time, if I saw the waters move, but I didn't have any help to get in the water and somebody else received their miracle, discouragement would set in. The same way that if I pray time after time after time and our testimony after testimony after testimony of other people being healed and delivered and getting miracles from God, it's human nature for discouragement to set in. This man suffered, I believe, not only physically, but I believe that the mental toll and anguish weighed on his mind. I believe not only was he broken physically, but I believe that he also had a broken heart just because of the, the conditions that he found himself in. This was a man of great faith. But he was a man of misguided faith. Because you see, his whole life had been relegated to this one day when an angel would come down at a certain season and trouble the water. I believe if he had money, he had spent all that he had on physicians. He might have been like the woman with the issue of blood who spent all that she had, but she only grew worse. Her condition only worsened. And he put all of his faith in this pool and in this water. He put his faith in the water. 
He put his faith in the angel. Amen. But his faith had not been put in the proper place. His faith should have been put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. His faith. He was a man of great faith, but it was just misguided place. The same way many, and I'm not here preaching against doctors and medicine and help, uh, amen, from, from, from a, a, a scientific and a medical standpoint. Uh, but it's the same way today that many would put their faith uh, in a pill, in a doctor, in a physician, uh, in, in a procedure. Uh, but their condition only grows worse. Uh, amen. This man, uh, amen, and this story teaches us uh, that yes, there, there may be nothing wrong with sitting by a pool and waiting on an angel. Uh, amen. But there's one far greater than an angel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's one far greater, amen, than this pool of water that's able to show up right on time and meet us uh, right where we are. Uh, amen. We see the patient in his case and it is one most severe. Uh, now I want us to look at the place where the story involves. The Bible tells us in John 5 verse 2, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. You look up Bethesda in your Strong's Concordance. In the Greek, Bethesda means a house of mercy. This was a place to where men and women were known to find mercy and find help in times of need and to find help in times of trouble. Amen. There was a place when doctors couldn't find a cure and there was no help in scientists and there was no help in medicinal purposes for the for the one that had lost all hope and the one who could find no cure there was a place of mercy that they could go to there was a place where they knew that at a certain time an angel would come down and trouble the water and they could be made whole of whatsoever they needed in their life. Amen. When you are afflicted and downcast with the cares of this life, there is a place of mercy that you can run to. There is a place of mercy that you can go. The Bible tells us in verse number 3 that these, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, which mean powerless. Amen. They were blind. They had no vision. They were halt. They were withered. Amen. But they went to the right place. Amen. And they were there at the right time. Amen. It matters not the condition. There were many there. There were many different conditions that were present. But they all had one goal in mind. And that was getting to the place of mercy. That was getting to the house of mercy. Because if they could just get to the house, then they were a candidate for a blessing. If they could just get to the house of mercy. If they could just get to the place, then they would have an opportunity to be healed. Amen. Of whatever condition that they had in their life. Amen. Let me tell you, there is a place of mercy that you can run to tonight. No matter what you're facing, no matter what circumstances that you're in, you don't have to go to Bethesda in Jerusalem. You don't have to get on a plane and go to Israel tonight to try to get to this place. No. Amen. There is a place of refuge and there is a place of mercy. 
And that is in the house of God. Amen. No matter what you're facing and going through in this life, there is a place that you can run. There is a place of safety. Amen. You can run to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to dip into a natural pool or spring of water, but you can take a dip. Amen. In the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the pool of living water. And you can find grace to help in your time of need. You come into the house tonight. Many of you did because you needed mercy. You came into the house tonight not to be seen or to be heard, but because you needed grace. Because you needed help. Because you needed a touch from God. I've come to tell you, you're in the right place. Because this is a house of mercy. This is a healing place. Hallelujah. The pool. The angel of the Lord would come down at a certain time and trouble the water. And whosoever was the first in would be made healed, would be healed of whatever disease, whatever infirmity he had. I'm not here to put too much focus on the pool tonight, but there's two things that this pool teaches us. Number one, you have to be in position to where you can see the water when it's troubled. You have to be in position to experience the water for yourself. Because the fact of the matter is, is if they had been two blocks down, amen, and the angel come down and troubled the waters, they wouldn't have received the blessing and the miracle that they needed. If they had been down at the, uh, the, the social hangout spot, the angel came down and troubled the waters, that would have been no help for them. The same way when Jesus shows up at the house of mercy with healing in His wings, but instead of being in the house of God, we're down at the frivolous activity down the street when we should be in the house of God. Amen. We oftentimes disqualify ourselves from miracles because we're not in the place where miracles transpire. I mean, I'm not talking about people that have work or they're not able to be in the house of God. I'm talking about those that have no excuse and should be in the house of the God. It's okay to say amen to me. I ain't going to rock the boat too bad tonight. Amen. We're trying to get miracles in the house and I try to run people off. Amen. But uh, uh, people, you've got to be in position to where you can see the water when it's troubled. And secondly, this pool teaches us a valuable lesson that when the waters are troubled, you better get in. When the Spirit of God is moving, you better get in. When the blessings of God are flowing, you don't uh, wait and say, well, uh, I need a miracle in my body, but I'm going to wait till the next hot shot evangelist comes through with a word from the Lord for me. I mean, that's not how it works. Uh, when God troubles the water, it may be on a Sunday night. Uh, it may be on a Wednesday night. It may be on a Tuesday night prayer meeting. We don't know uh, when He's going to move, but we just need to be at the house of mercy when He does. 
And when he gets there, uh, when he comes and when he troubles the water, uh, there should be absolutely no hindrances uh, and no distractions that keep us from getting into the water uh, when they're troubled. Uh, no matter what condition we find ourselves in, uh, amen, if we wait for tomorrow, uh, the opportunity and the season will pass. Uh, if we wait to camp meeting, uh, amen, that season and that opportunity will be over with. Uh, he might move in November in camp meeting uh, or he might not. Uh, but whenever the water is troubled, uh, that's the time you need to dive in. Uh, lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, amen. They're at the Olympics right now uh, where they're doing tipple or triple toe loop somersaults uh, off the high diving boards. Uh, amen. They're doing all of these uh, gimmicks, uh, diving into the water, trying to be scored uh, by judges. Uh, amen. I, I, I don't know that that's exactly what it should look like. Uh, oh, but when the Holy Ghost comes by uh, and troubles the water, we should have record abandonment just like them uh, to where we dive in uh, forgetting our cares, uh, forgetting our worries, uh, forgetting what's holding us back uh, and we just dive in uh, head over heels uh, and say Lord I don't know what you're going to do in my life. Uh, I just want you to do it. Uh, I don't know how you're going to touch me uh, but Lord I just need a touch uh, in my body. Uh, I don't know what the final verdict is going to be uh, but Lord I'm just diving in tonight. Uh, I want all that you have for me that's the lesson that this pool can teach us. See the problem. This man, while he's there, everybody else is diving in. Everybody else is getting a miracle. But he's sitting there day after day. And there's no one to put him into the pool. When the waters were troubled, it was every man for himself. At the end of the day, for much of the world, it's about what I can get and to get my needs met when there's a world around you that they're counting on you to put them in the water. They're counting on you to lead them to the water. But this man, I want you to notice, was so engrossed by his problem that he could not get the help that he needed. He was in the right place at the house of mercy. He was there at the right time when the angel would come down and trouble the waters. But he did not have the right means for getting his miracle. He was there at the right time. He was there at the right place. But he did not have the right means of receiving a blessing. For years, he watched others receive help and blessings, but time after time, he went home empty. He heard other people testify of how good the water felt, of the great miracle that they received, but no miracle came to this man. He heard testimonies, heard how good and how great it was, but he never felt, and he never experienced it. Why? Because he had become so insulated and paralyzed by his problem that he could not receive the touch and the miracle that he needed. I mean, as I was contemplating on these scriptures and the Lord began talking to me late last night, He spoke to my heart and said that there are many just like this man that have too become paralyzed by their problem. Become paralyzed by their problem. They desire help. They need help. But their problem has escalated 
to the point where that problem prevents them from getting the help that they need. Despite coming into the house of God, service after service, despite lifting their hands, despite worshiping God, despite giving faithfully into the, 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 the offering plate for tithes and offerings and missions, despite signing up for whatever activity where the church needs help, when they come into the house, they're so insulated, they're so engrossed by the problems of their life that the very problem that they find themselves in prevents them from receiving the miracle that they need. Many desire freedom, but they're held bound by their problem. Many people desire to jump into the water, amen, but when the water is moving, they're held back by shackles and chains because they become paralyzed by the situation that they find themselves in. They're just like this man that's sitting there. They're in the right atmosphere. They're in the right environment. They're there at the right time. Amen. And they hear the testimonies of Zion about what God is doing for sisters and brothers. But when it gets down to it, they have become so engrossed by the problem that it paralyzes them to the point where they're incapable of receiving uh, the blessing from God that they desire. Paralyzed by the problem. I can tell you there's been times in my life where I've been there. I'll never forget coming to Bible Way. Moved out here full time. You've heard me tell the testimonies many times before. Never forget a Sunday night everybody was shouting. Seemed like hanging from the chandeliers. I believe a couple ran the back of the pews. God was blessing. God was moving. And I was sitting right there in that chair. Could not feel a thing. And I said, God, I've missed God. I've missed you. That's the only thing that I could equate it to in my mind. Everybody else is shouting victory. And here I am. I'm dead. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Seems like I got a good dose of cracker juice before I come to church. Nothing can move me. Been there. What happened? I was paralyzed by my problem. Just like this man in John chapter number 5. I wanted to get in. I wanted to run. I wanted to jump. I wanted to shout. I wanted to get emotional and, and feel an exuberant sense of a, a Holy Ghost euphoria. But I found myself bound by my problem. I found myself bound and paralyzed by my position. And I missed out on the opportunity to get and receive of God. Listen, there have been times in our lives when we've all felt helpless and in need of miracles. Amen. We've all sat by the pool at some point in time saying, God, where are you at? Lord, by my watch, you should have already moved by now. Mary and Martha sat there by the pool, spiritually speaking, for four days after they went sent for Jesus. And said, Lazarus is sick. We need you to come. Sat there waiting, Lord. By my watch, he should be here in about 10 minutes. But 10 minutes turned to 20. 20 turned to 30. 30 turned into an hour. An hour turned into 24. 24 turned into 48. 72 hours rocked on by. 95 and a half hours. Four, almost four days later, Jesus still hadn't showed up. 
What happened? They're paralyzed by their circumstance. They're paralyzed. Lord, if you had just showed up, Lord, we put our faith and our hope and our trust in you. But no hope came. No miracle came. Amen. Bartimaeus sat there by that Jericho road many times. Lord, I've heard how you've healed the withered hand. I've heard how you've healed the lepers. I've heard how you've set people free. But oh God, here I am. Where are you at, Lord? I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. Where are you at? Amen. What happened paralyzed by their circumstances? But can I tell you, when we're there in that situation and we can't get to Him, oh, hallelujah. That's oftentimes when Jesus comes to us. This man, paralyzed by the pool, he couldn't get to Jesus even if he wanted to. He was bound by location. He was bound by his paralysis. He was bound by his condition. He was bound by his problem. If you had given him the opportunity to, to grow a new set of legs and go to Jesus, he probably would have, Brother Meeks. But try as he may. Amen. There was no way he could get to Jesus. But while he couldn't get to Jesus, the great physician come to him. When Bartimaeus, amen, had no means of getting to Jesus, Jesus came walking through Jericho and he received his healing. When Mary and Martha said, Lord, Amen, Jesus. They may have given up all hope that He would come and move for Lazarus. But four days later, He came walking down that road and He showed up right on time. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, there's been times where we've been paralyzed. And maybe you were here in this house tonight paralyzed by your problem, paralyzed by your condition, paralyzed by the time. Amen, this transpired of how long you've been waiting on God. But can I tell you something? While you can't get to Him. I believe by the Holy Ghost tonight, He has come to you. He's come to show up at the house of mercy tonight. Amen. When the great paralytic meets the great physician, hallelujah, sickness has to go. Oh, hallelujah. Needs are met. Lives are transformed. Why? Because Jesus showed up. Hallelujah. Listen, there's times when we've all been in this same situation. But don't lose heart. And don't lose hope. Because when we've not been able to touch Jesus, that's when Jesus oftentimes shows up and He touches us. To this point of the story, it's been a sad one for this paralytic man. Amen. But the story is about to change. And the reason for the change is not because of the pool. It's not because of the, uh, the, the man. It's not because of the place. But it's because Jesus shows up. This story is turned on its axis because Jesus enters into the scene. Oh, and can I tell you when Jesus shows up, that's when miracles take place. I feel the Lord in the house tonight. When Jesus shows up, that's when stories shift. When Jesus shows up, miracles come and infirmities have to go. When Jesus showed up, this man's life was forever changed. This was a turning point in this man's life when Jesus stepped by the pool. Oh, I believe, amen, through the Holy Ghost tonight, that this could be a turning point for somebody in the house tonight. Not because I'm preaching, not because Kirsten sang, oh, not because, amen, of any other person that's in 
this house other than Jesus is going to show up on the scene. Oh, and while you've been paralyzed by your condition and by your circumstances, I believe under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, oh, He can take that which is dead tonight and He can bring it back to life. That which you have lost hope in and hope for. There's never been a situation that's too far gone for the great physician to step on the scene and to show up and He's come tonight with healing in His wings. You're at the right place at the right time but now the right one is showing up and He can do what no one else can do. Notice the purpose of the great physician. We're preaching tonight when the great paralytic met the great physician. Notice the purpose of the physician. He didn't go to the pool that day for the multitude or the crowd. But on this particular day, he showed up for one man. His whole schedule that day was altered because he had an appointment to meet with one man paralyzed for 38 years. Listen, we know the great times when Jesus moved for the multitude. But there's often many times throughout Scriptures where Jesus showed up just for the one. In Luke 19, He went to Jerusalem for one man named Zacchaeus. In Mark chapter number 5, he went to the land of Gadara for one man named Legion. In John 4, he went to the city of Samaria for one woman by the well. In John 5, he went to the pool for one man sitting there and had no man to help him in when the waters were troubled. And I believe by faith that there's multiple people in this house that he's come for tonight. But can I tell you, even if it was just for one, he by his spirit would still come down. Oh, hallelujah. Even if it's for just the one. Amen. He was willing. Amen. By the spirit to come. Sometimes Christ moves upon the multitude. But more times than not, he moves on the individual that's hungry and has the need. Listen, there's been times where I preached I felt the Holy Ghost all over me and preaching and I think that the whole house is going to just erupt and get raptured out. But it don't happen the way, Brother Clint, that I think that it should. But after the service, somebody shows up and says, Brother, I want you to know if that was just for me tonight. I got the help that I needed. Listen, God's able to move for everybody. But oftentimes... Uh, and, and more times than not, He's just going to move on the individuals that's truly hungry and truly wants Him. Listen, there's been times when I go into a service and I, I think we're going to get raptured out. And I, I talked about it being dry as cracker juice earlier for me. There's services where it's dry. Nothing happens. The devil starts talking to you and it's easy if it was about ego and it's about results and about what we think it's easy to get discouraged by what we see but that's when we got to walk by faith and not by sight but i'll never forget it one time my home church when i i tell you i bombed i had just started in ministry 
When I bombed, it was like the atomic bomb. <laughs> Destruction, devastation, to the point I'm ready to walk away. Embarrassed, just uh, the devil talking to you, you're miserable, you're a failure. And I just amended him because I knew what he was saying was right. But I'll never forget it. One brother met me at the back of the house after church when everybody else was gone. Started weeping tears rolling down his face. He said, if I didn't know any better, he'd say, I, I believed you listened in on mine and my wife's conversation in the car coming to church because everything that I told her, you preach from the pulpit tonight. He said, that message was for me. Listen, he couldn't have given me a billion dollars right there and made me feel any better. And I know we don't preach for results and we don't preach for, for accolades and pats on the back. Amen. But sometimes when you, you hear from heaven just confirmation that you didn't miss it and that you were right on target, I, I can tell you, folks, amen, that, that sometimes that's a, the, the biggest boost in the world, especially for somebody that's seeking after the will of God wholeheartedly. But that night... God came for just one man in that house. Listen, there's many times throughout Scriptures you'll find where He came just for the one. In John 5, He came just for the one man by that pool. Tonight at Bible Way, He's come to meet with individuals right where you are. And the burden that you've been carrying that nobody knows about. Listen, if nobody else here gets a touch and nobody else here gets their miracle tonight, you can Hallelujah, because He's come for you. Amen. Notice the purpose of the physician was coming just for the one. Notice the question of the position. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been, now a long time in that case, He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Listen, if you're going to go to a doctor and you're going to visit him for the first time, any doctor that takes your case is going to try to get your medical history. I had to go to the eye doctor this week. Get my eyes checked up on. They wanted to know everything about me. They wanted to know family history. Did your grandparents have any of these medical conditions? I'm thinking my grandparents aren't wanting to see the eye doctor I am. They want to know everything about you. Glaucoma, cataracts, high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, all these questions. You try to see a physician for the first time, they're going to want to know your entire life history. But can I tell you, this great physician didn't do that. He didn't look at this man and say, what caused the problem? He didn't ask him what traumatic medical event occurred that resulted in your paralysis. He didn't ask him what's going to, what was going on. He didn't ask him what his, his grandfather's medical history was he just showed up and asked him a simple question do you want to be made whole it's as simple as that he didn't inquire about the problem he didn't inquire about the the condition he just asked him do you want to be healed listen the condition matters not to Jesus. The symptoms matter not to Jesus. Whether it's a headache, a hangnail, or whether it's stage 4 cancer, He has power to heal it all. 
Listen, He has power in His wings. The efficacious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is able to heal any and all maladies in your life. It matters not how bad it is, how minor it is, how large it may be. The blood of Jesus is still the answer for it all. He looked at this man and just asked him the simple question, Do you want to be healed? To me, that's a no-brainer. Sat here for 30 and 8 years. Bound by paralysis. And all of a sudden this man shows up. Do you want to be healed? For me, that question is a no-brainer. But there are some people that don't want to be healed. Say amen to me somebody. There are some people that like living in their paralysis. There are some people that would rather have something to complain about. All the time complaining about everything that's wrong. And never giving God glory for what's going right. Listen, there are some people that don't want to be healed because they don't want to give up that disability check every month. It's better to keep that money coming in than it is to get up off the couch and go to work. So when we ask the question, do you want to be healed? To me, that's a no-brainer. But to other individuals, it's not so cut and dry. You see, this man was a beggar. This man, and oftentimes in Scripture, the, the lame man that sat by the temple gate asking alms for the poor. The church people that was going into the, the house of worship would flip him a penny or two or alms, a denarii, or, or other things that, uh, uh, other means of currency. And it's just like some beggars in New York City. You can make a better living being a beggar than you can doing manual labor out somewhere and actually earning your money. I read an, an article one time of a man that sat in a subway in New York City. And all he did was beg outside of one of the subway stops. He knew exactly which one to go to. Uh, he knew the, where the, the, uh, uh, the affluent people lived. And he would get just as close as he could to that particular train stop. Uh, and he made over $100,000 a year begging for change. Some people, Brother Homer, don't want to be healed. Because it might mean they have to do some real work and do some real labor. But God knew this man's heart when Christ showed up and asked him, do you want to be healed? When Jesus saw him lie, he knew he had been in that condition for a long time and asked him, wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered and said, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming down, Another step at the helm before me. Listen, Christ saw that this man wanted to be healed and that his faith was in the water. But his faith was in the wrong water. He said, son, you've got your faith in this pool of living water. But the one that you're talking to right now is the well of everlasting water. Oh, hallelujah. 
I am the bread. I am the wine. I am the water that will forever quench your spiritual thirst. I'm asking you the question, do you want to be healed? I didn't ask you the question, did you want to take a dunk into the pool? I'm asking, do you want your life to be changed? Do you want your life to be forever altered? Do you want this paralysis to end? Do you want to receive strength in your body that you need? Then put your faith in the living water. Oh, hallelujah. Put your faith on me and you can receive the answer that you need. Listen, there's many people that's got their faith in many things tonight. But if you would put your faith in the same one that this man did, if you would put your faith into the same living water of the Lord Jesus Christ, He can do for you what never has been done before. He can do for you what doctors can't. He can do for you what surgery can't. He can do for you what medicine can't. Amen. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ever ask or think. And all He asks of us is to trust Him and to believe on Him and to put our faith in Him and He will do the miraculous in our lives. This man's faith was in the wrong water. All Jesus did was took that man's faith and placed it back Onto the proper source. What would happen in our lives. If we put our faith back. Into the proper perspective. What could happen brother Homer in our lives. We've got faith in so many different things of this world. And if we would just put our faith back into the one. Where it should have been put in all along. There's no telling what he can do in our lives. Christ redirected his faith. Notice the command of the physician. Listen, you go to some healing evangelist today, they like a medical doctor. They want to know your medical history. There's one, won't call his name, but if you want to go to one of his healing crusades, you've got to go through a program to see whether you are a candidate for healing or not. Which lets me know everything that I need to know. Amen. About that healing evangelist. All it does is weed out the bad ones. <laughs> so we won't be exposed. But Jesus ain't that way. Oh, hallelujah. There was no training seminar on whether or not he was a candidate for healing. There was no medical survey or questionnaire. He just asked him, do you want to be healed? Yes, he wanted to be healed. And notice the commandment of Christ. He just simply said, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. There's just one problem. This man had been paralyzed for 38 years. You let a man be paralyzed for 38 years, those bones, those muscles are going to atrophy. Those muscles and ligaments and tendons and tissues are going to die. Those legs are going to begin to curl in. Those toes are going to begin to, to curl under. Why? Because there's no life there. There's no life there. That, 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 that thing, those, those limbs are dead. Incapable of living. 
incapable of being conducive of life. If you just take your arm and tie it to your side for one year and don't use it, your muscles are going to deteriorate and going to die. And if you are able to use that arm after a year, you'll never have the full range of motion that you did before. So can you imagine times and then multiplying that by 38 years? 38 years. It's not just as simple as rise, take up your bed, and walk. But can I tell you, it is as simple as rise, take up your bed, and walk. Because with man, it's impossible. <laughs> oh, but with God, all things are possible to them that believe. Can I, can I just... Just, just picture me this. This man sitting here for 38 years, atrophied muscles, uh, ligaments, tendons are dead, uh, feet are shifted in, toes curled under, no strength, no power, couldn't stand, uh, couldn't walk. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus issues the command to rise, uh, take up your bed and walk. Uh, amen. He has uh, to make a decision. Uh, am I going to attempt to do the impossible uh, or am I going to stay a paralytic all the days of my life? Uh, am I going to attempt uh, what uh, uh, does not make sense and what defies all logic or am I going to let this miracle pass me by? Listen, there's times when Christ comes to us and our healing is contingent upon our obedience. It's contingent upon whether we obey Him or not. If this man would have said, it's impossible for me, I can't do it, Jesus could have very easily passed on by and slipped out the back door and that man died a paralytic. Amen. It demanded obedience. Amen. To the Word and the commands of God. What is it that keeps many people from being healed in this hour? I believe it is our obedience to the command of Christ. Yes, it may defy logic. Yes, Yes, it may defy all natural scientific laws. But listen, my God don't operate in the scientific. He operates in the supernatural. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It matters not if He tells me to rise, take up my bed and walk. Or if He tells me to strap on your boots and climb Mount Everest. Whatever the Spirit of God bids us to do. Church, we must do it. And then if we need a miracle in our life, no matter what He tells us, we must obey because our miracle could hinge upon our obedience. Amen. You say, you're preaching words, preacher. I most certainly am not. To the man that was born blind, what did Jesus tell him to do? He spit in the ground, rubbed it on his eyes, and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And you'll come again and see it. His miracle of receiving his sight hinged on his obedience. If he would have said it's impossible for me to walk to the pool of Siloam, if he would have said there's no way I can do it, that man would have died a blind man. But when he obeyed the command, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. When he obeyed the command of Christ, his healing was in his obedience. The healing of the brother David Talbert said years ago, he said that for the healing evangelist of the day, he said they would try to dissect this measurement of how much spit was on the ground. 
and how many grains of dirt was in the spit and how thick the paste of clay was that went on his eyes because they think that the miracle came in all of that. No, the miracle came in his obedience to the command of Christ. When he obeyed, when he washed, he opened up his eyes and God gave him the miracle. I mean, what's the missing link between us and our healing? Oftentimes, it's our obedience to the command of Christ. Amen. We need to be like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Amen. In the wedding of Cana of Galilee. Whatever he bids you to do, you do it. Don't question it. Don't delay it. Don't deny it. Amen. But simply obey it. When they obeyed, the water was turned into wine. Amen. When the blind man obeyed, he received his sight. And when this paralytic obeyed, he received a miracle. Bones atrophied. Muscles dead. Lord, it's impossible for me. Oh, but what's impossible for me is made possible with you. I believe as he was standing up, can you imagine how those bones started popping? Can you imagine how those muscles started shifting? Oh, I believe it could have been an awful sight. But I believe it was an awesome sight. I believe that there was some cracking and some popping. Amen. But things weren't falling out of place. Things were falling into place. I believe in the, the transition moment from paralytic to walking. It might not have been the most pleasant thing to look at. But the end result was absolutely glorious. The situation that you find yourself in right now tonight... It might not be the most glorious thing to look at, Brother Homer. I mean, things may seem to be falling apart all around you. And in the natural realm, it may be. But can I tell you in the spiritual realm, it's not falling out of place. Things are falling into place. The world can look at it and say it's an awful sight what you're going through, what you're facing. Uh, oh, but can I tell you in God's eyes, uh, amen, this trial, uh, amen, can be turned into a testimony. Uh, and what some people labels as awful, uh, God looks at it and says this is glorious. Uh, amen, because what the devil has meant for evil, uh, God is going to turn it around for good. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, the day the great paralytic uh, met the great physician, uh, his life was forever changed. Uh, and I I believe tonight you might have come into this house paralyzed by pain, paralyzed by your condition, paralyzed by your circumstances. But that same Jesus that showed up for that man in John chapter number 5, Hebrews tells us it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did in John 5, he's able to do in August 1st, 20 and 21. And he's able to walk on the scene in the Bible way tonight at this house of mercy. And grant you the miracle that you need. Amen. The miracle. Amen. That he needed. Came. When he obeyed. Notice the cure. That the physician produced. I'm done. Kirsten come help me. I'm through. And the Bible says immediately. Immediately. This man. Was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. What this man was not able to do in 38 years, Jesus did 
in 38 seconds. What this man, what an entire lifetime, the average life expectancy was 35 to 40 years of age. This man had been a paralytic for 38 years. What he couldn't do in a whole lifetime, Jesus did in just a few moments in time. Immediately, he was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. Something that had never happened before happened because the great paralytic met the great physician. And notice the command. Jesus said, I don't only want you to rise and walk. Son, I want you to take up that bed, put it over your shoulder, and walk with it. You see, that bed had been that man's crutch for 38 years. That bed, that man had been identified by his problem, and he had been associated by his crutch. But when he picked up that bed, he said, I want you to take that crutch through town. Amen. It's a testimony of the miraculous power that you received today. You're never going to need this again. I remember in the Dominican, a woman came down walking on that Wednesday night service in uh, Santo, Santo Domingo. I don't know, five, six, seven hundred people there preaching. A woman came down to that altar that night with a walker in her hand. We got to praying. God got to moving. I, we went on praying for other people. By the time I turned back around, that walker was up in there <laughs> lifting up her hands, praising Jesus. What was she saying? I don't need that crutch anymore. I don't need that crutch anymore. Well, the woman with a water pot in John chapter number 4. Amen. That water pot was her crutch. She left her water pot. Said, I don't need this anymore in my life. Why? Because she had an encounter with this Jesus that I'm preaching to you about tonight. I don't know your circumstance. You may not be here physically in this building. I believe that there are. But I believe there's some watching by way of live stream tonight. You can't get to the house of God. But yet you need a miracle. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. You need a miracle in your body and in your life. The miracle worker is here. You may not be able to get to the house of mercy. Amen. But the one that showed up at the house of mercy and the one that showed up here, he's able to show up in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, wherever. You may be watching right now. You may be watching or listening as you're riding on the road in your vehicle. Oh, but if you'll look over, this same Holy Ghost is sitting in the seat right beside you. And He's able to meet you right where you are. Amen. I feel, amen, that the, the, the miracle worker is in the house tonight. And I don't know your circumstances, your situation. I don't know it may be small on the spectrum of severity or it may be very large. But I just want you to get up out of your pew and bring your need to Jesus tonight. Bring it to Him in this altar and I believe that He's going to meet you here. And this miracle worker, amen, is going to show up. The miracle worker is going to show up on the scene for you. If he didn't come for anybody else, he would have come just for you tonight. We're preaching to you about the day that the great paralytic met the great physician. The great physician is here. You don't have to be paralyzed by fear. You don't have to be paralyzed by pain. You don't have to be paralyzed by your emotional state another day. But he's come to set you free. 
and my Bible says who the Son hath made free is free indeed. Your key to obedience is getting up out of your pew and meeting Him in this altar tonight. Hallelujah. Oh my God, my God, my God. He's going to meet you here. And I believe He's going to forever change and alter your life. Hallelujah. Paralyzed no more.